0: Welcome to Fountain Springs Online. At Fountain Springs, we believe in showing unconditional love, irrational generosity, and being unwavering in our mission to show people who Jesus is. We are one church in multiple locations that exist to help grow and guide your relationship with Jesus. We are so glad you've joined us today, and we hope that we can encourage, challenge, and support you in your walk with Jesus. Feel free to join us this coming weekend at any of our locations and services, or call or email us so we can help you in any way. We are so glad that you've joined us today at Fountain Springs Online. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. Heartbeat. It's crazy how something so simple can signal the beginning and the end of life. Love. Give. This is the heartbeat of our church. Together as a church, we are called to show unconditional love to the people around us. We are called to welcome everyone with open arms, just as the Father welcomes the Son. Together as a church, we are called to be irrationally generous. We search for and give every last thing we can just as the Father gives the feast to welcome the Son. Together as a church, we are called to a wavering mission. We are forever searching for the lost to bring home. Together as a church, we are called to have a heart beating for His kingdom to reign. Everyone needs a healthy heartbeat in order to have a healthy life. So, what is your heartbeat? So, life is supposed to be full. Uh, For those of you going into this season where family might be visiting you, maybe you're going to visit family, you're like, yeah, it's full. It's too full. In fact, someone needs to stop. Some of you lost control of your calendars, and now everything is miserable in your life. You're like, it's way too full. Life is actually supposed to be full. Now, I want to show you where that comes from, John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He is not nice. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, not the bad full, the good full. (laughs) And I know that many of us, we live this kind of, like, I'm just living life, and I'm hoping to keep my head above water. And if I do, it's a good day. But I'm telling you, based on my understanding of God, what I've read about him, what I feel like I've experienced with him, is that life can be full in the best of ways. So we've been doing a series called Heartbeat. All of us have, by the way, so the fellows at RCMU, uh, East, West, those who have stopped going to church and watch online, we know who you are. Uh, No, we've been doing a Heartbeat series and and looking at what it looks like to live the full life. Like, how in the world does one achieve that? And kind of, I know it's kind of late. It's the third week of the series. Something happened while I was in the office where I'm like, uh-oh, I have forgotten something. Maybe we don't understand what full means. <laughs> I mean, I was like, oh, good, the, the, the full life, neat. What in the world is that? Well, so let me, let me give you the definition. <laughs> full, satisfying, extraordinary. I mean, we want some of that. So if you don't, if you're not, okay, plug it in. Jesus was like, I came to give you the satisfying, extraordinary life. Now, that sounds like amazing. And it also contradicts the story of many of our lives. We're like, there's not really been a lot that's been satisfying or extraordinary. By the way, he doesn't promise a a pain-free life. But there's extraordinary. And I don't know if you've ever wanted it, craved it that your life would have impact, would have influence, would do great things, that you would raise kids in the right way, that you would be the kind of spouse you, ever, you thought you would be, that you would be the kind of business leader, employee, friend, whatever, that you would be the person you knew that you wanted to be. If you want that, I'd call that an extraordinary, satisfying life. But you got to deal with your heart. And I'll show you some of the verses we've talked about in the series. Above all else, guard your heart. If you want that extraordinary, satisfying life, guard your heart from everything you do flows from it. So it just connects to the full life. You got to pay attention to your heart. You got to make sure that your heart is is clean, is, is ready to engage life as God intended. So we've had a prayer. If you missed the series, we've been praying the whole series, so don't feel left out. I want to bring you up. Here's here's the prayer from the Bible. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Simple prayer. You're like, wait a minute, I thought I was supposed to pray for like 30 minutes. There's no rule like that in the Bible. And I think this is powerful. In fact, I've heard that many of us, just throughout the day, Are having these these short conversations with God, God created me a clean heart. And I think if you read enough news, there doesn't seem to be a lot of clean hearts. So we got to do something about it. I think we should have the conversation about how in the world do we make sure that we aren't one of those headlines that we don't like. How do we have a clean heart? How do we have uh, an extraordinary, satisfying life? So I've been walking through a story Jesus told. Jesus told a story, not for the purpose of storytelling, but he told a story where he talked about this son. The son said, hey, I want my inheritance, dad, and I want it right now. And the dad's like, all right, gave him the inheritance. The son's like, thank you very much to show you how full of gratitude I am. I'm going to leave home and waste all of it. And he does. He leaves, goes off far, far away place, wastes every bit of it, finds himself homeless, penniless, starving, has nothing to his name, resolves, uh, what now? Some of you have been there before. So he says, I'm going to go back to where I grew up, but it won't be home anymore. It'll be where I work. I'm going to go home to my dad, but he won't be dad anymore. He'll be my master, my boss. I'll just be a servant because I've well, I've shamed my family and God, so all I can do is just go back and try to get a job. So uh, Jesus tells a story that the the kid, the son, heads home. And I'll show you where I I highlighted in the series so far. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, uh, his father did what no one expected. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Like, no, like, Oh, I'm glad you're back, boy. It's time for your punishment. (laughs) No, the father ran to him. It's what's called unconditional love. If you want a healthy heartbeat, if you want to live a satisfying, extraordinary life, you need to figure out how you're going to offer people that you like and don't like unconditional love. It doesn't mean that you restart a relationship where someone betrayed you. Trust isn't there, but you still can love someone. Do you know that there's a difference between offering forgiveness and turning your back on someone? It's unconditional love. Jesus kept telling the story. I'll show you what I already read to you. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fat and calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. All of a sudden, it's more than just a hug. It's dad going, no, I'm going to give you all of these gifts that represent being a part of the family. I'm going to offer you not just unconditional love, but irrational generosity. If you want to live the extraordinary, satisfying life, you need to figure out how to not be greedy. (laughs) You're like, but I don't want to. Well, yeah, you do. I believe with all your heart, you want to figure out how to love people and how to give to them. You want to figure out how to love God. And give to God. And, and this story, I, I think it's very very significant. And again, you might think, okay, that's a great story, but there's more to the story. Not everybody, I know this will shock you, not everybody in the family agreed with what dad did. Some of you are like, What? Some of you grew up in families, like, no, that's normal. We not we don't ever agree with each other in any way. Well, what happens is the older brother's ticked. He's angry. Jesus doesn't just say, hey, this kid did something wrong, he got a hug, he got a kiss, he got welcomed back in the family, like, hey. No, all of a sudden, there's uh, some tension. I'll show it to you. The older brother became angry at all that's going on and refused to go in, go into the party. Now, for some of you, you're like, well, okay, I get that. No, no, you got to really know what he's doing. We've said in this series already, but just in case you missed it, if you are going to forgive someone, if you're going to offer someone restoration, in Jewish culture, you had a meal together. So the brother not going into the meal is saying, I don't want to forgive you or restore my relationship with you. So his father went out and pleaded with them, but he answered his father, Look, All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat, comparing the goat to the masterful steak. You never never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, do you catch the separation? Not not my, my brother. This son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for. I mean, I would imagine you've been in a situation where you've loved someone, maybe even been generous. Maybe it's with you and God, where you've loved God and been generous to God, and someone did not agree with you. And they pushed back. See, our world does not just need Love and generosity. It needs something else. So let me show you verse 32. The dad's response. But we had to celebrate and be glad. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours, by the way, I know you're calling him brother, but you're related. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found the dad dad refuses to forget that he's dad it's called unwavering mission many of us did not experience that with our parents maybe You've been around. Maybe your dad wasn't a good dad. Maybe your mom wasn't a good mom. Maybe you've been in a romantic relationship where that person uh, wavered a little bit and and you didn't have that person remember what they said they'd be. I think we've all pretty much experienced something where, where someone wavered. Someone abandoned what they said they'd do or what they were supposed to do. You know one of the problems in this world, and this is just added commentary? <laughs> we have too many people wavering. One day to the next. They're one way one day, the next day another, wavering. If you're unclear on what waver means, I'll show you by definition. Uh, it's to become unsteady or unreliable to falter. Many of us right now, just just so you if you don't know what's going on. Many people are creating bullet point lists. Oh, I've got many people. And you've got names right now. People who were unsteady, who are unreliable in your life, who falter nonstop. Now, before we start throwing stones, before we start really harping on other people, I need to state something with great clarity. Uh, We are all at risk of wavering. All of us. Every single one of us, whoever breathes, is at risk of wavering from something we committed to, wavering from a role we were born into, wavering, huh. Oh. It seems to fight at us every day, try to get us to kind of bend a little bit. And I gotta tell you, if you've never experienced it, there's a reality behind it. Anytime anyone wavers, there's hurt that comes, right? That person gets hurt. Hurt happens. Hurt goes somewhere. I've had many conversations with a spouse, and their significant other wavered, and their heart is broken. I've had conversations uh, with teenagers where someone they lead or their parents wavered, and their heart's broken friends who thought there was loyalty in the friendship but there wasn't and hurt happened i wonder if the source of many of us right if you look at the source of your hurt in life i wonder how much of the source of our hurt is someone wavered from something they committed to I think we all can admit and confess the pain that occurs with wavering. That's why I bring it up. That's why I love so much this story that isn't just about love and generosity, right? That's what we, but it's about this unwavering mission to not forget what you said you'd do, to not forget who you are, to not let pressures and tensions and culture and anyone else deter you from what you should be doing. we got too much of that. If you're interested, I hope you are, you're here. How do we get there? I'll show you. An unwavering heart requires healthy convictions. If you're like, I don't want to waver, I mean, maybe, maybe you have, maybe that's been your lifestyle. Maybe you're like, you know what, I want to have a pure relationship, but then you get into this dating relationship, and you waver from your morals. Maybe, maybe you, you've got an addiction, and you're like, you know what, I, I want to I stay on this path, I want to go in the right direction, but, but then you hang out with the wrong people, you go in the wrong direction, and you waver. If you're like, I don't want to waver anymore. If you're tired of wavering, you've got to deal with your convictions, because it's your convictions that will be so powerful in your life. Let me take you back to Luke 15. But we had to celebrate and be glad. I and mean, I told you one of my favorite verses. It is powerful. But we had to? You know that anytime you say, I have to, I have to. You know that's a convictional statement. Like, I have to go to this. I have to be with them. I have to because I am. I have to. Anytime you say I have to, in the sense that you have this choice at hand, it's convictional. Even to the point you might think you don't have a choice, but it's because you've acknowledged an authority in your life. I have to, but I have to. Don't forget Jesus is telling this story and he chooses his words uh, very purposefully, but I had to. Had to. Hey, basic decision making. For those of you who, who are not great at decision making, okay? Basic decision making. It's one of two ways. I'll show you. Preference or conviction. That's how you make decisions. Based on your preference or based on your conviction. Who you choose to date? Based on preference? Based on conviction. Or maybe you're trying to get both of them lined up. <laughs> How we eat, come on, how we eat in theory, according to my doctor, is not supposed to be preference. I disagree with her. No, no, okay, let me show you some examples. I found these on, on Twitter, uh, these convictional versus preference. According, according to this in calories, right? you can have 25 strawberries... Or eight Dorito chips. Easy decision. The chips. You always go with the chips. <laughs> Dorito chips. Are you kidding me? They are like a drug. They should be classified as a drug. I've never seen actually anyone. Actually, I've never seen anyone going. I would like eight chips, please. That's it. No more. Just give me eight. Like I don't know who you are. But in in theory, this is a preference. Or conviction now some of you are like David I would I would prefer the watermelon <clears throat> all right I'm going with the ice cream and I'm not just getting one scoop like what's just there <laughs> but but it's it's convicting in a sense when you're like I mean I could load up I mean I like watermelon but I like ice cream I love the difference between preference and conviction which you decide okay how about how about dinner time Dinner time, you you can load up on, I guess, five plates of just stuff. That's what I call it, just stuff. Or a Big Mac and fries. One appears to be more filling than the other. And oftentimes, you know, on the preference of conviction part, sometimes just timing is what makes your decision. I need to go somewhere fast. And you drop your convictions. Okay, let's get real serious on preference or conviction. Let's talk donuts. (laughs) Now here's the reality, you will eat donuts. If you reject donuts, I don't know that this is the place for you. (laughs) You're welcome, you can always be here. But I'm gonna talk about donuts a lot and I will tempt you with that and I apologize. But some of you, you're cake donut people. Okay? Or you're whatever you can put on that donut kind of people. You're like, whatever. I mean, I don't care what you put on it, right? Preferences or convictions? Uh, some of us, uh, we, we eat by conviction, some of us eat by preference. Some of us treat people the way we treat people, it's rooted in conviction, sometimes preference. When you're real mad and you want to give them a piece of your mind, well, oh, you better believe that that's that, uh, preference. Supreme Court piped in on this, which I love. Let me show you. I I thought this was helpful. A preference is a strong belief, but a belief that you will change under the right circumstances. Or I might add to that, or the wrong ones. A conviction is a belief that you will not change. Let me be very direct with you. Too many of us change too many of the important things in life based on the situation. And we need more folks with an unwavering mission in life. Do you know that, do you know that God has convictions? He's got convictions. Let me show them to you. John three sixteen tells us a conviction. For God so loved the world, he had this conviction that he gave, so you see this conviction. For God so loved the world he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Inside of that conviction is a love for us. And he was willing to do anything about it. You want to go more direct? Uh, Luke chapter 19. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Lost. Lost people. I don't know if you've ever felt lost, if you've ever felt like maybe you didn't deserve to be with God or around God. But do you know that God in his heart is a conviction that anyone and everyone would know who he is? It's an observation very simple one though uh, our convictions make up the rhythm of our heartbeat same with god god's heartbeat god's heartbeat is that anyone and everyone ever would always know him would would someone would tell someone about him, so that he is a conviction and, and our convictions need to help with the rhythm of a heartbeat. So I did some study, and, and I, I pulled out I, I would say, the top three. Uh, you can have convictions about strawberries and watermelon and ice cream. It, that's, that's up to you, okay? But there, there are three that I would say are locked in that, that I think anyone and everyone should have. A, a conviction so powerful that nothing would ever change it. Here's the first one. That, that I, when I studied the Bible, Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. That should be a conviction in your heart that no matter what you do, no matter who you spend time with, no matter who you marry, no matter who you raise in your house, no matter where you work, what you do with your life, Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Jesus Christ. In fact, I would tell you it is a conviction of mine, not just because I'm a pastor. It is one of my missions in my life that I can always make sure that my wife knows Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. I want my kids to know Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. I want you to know that. I want our whole region to know that. I frankly want the whole world to know that. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. That should be, that should, if you want me to tell you directly, what should be a conviction of mine? Jesus Christ should be the hope of the world. And if you don't know where that comes from, it comes from the Bible. When Jesus came to this earth to share that, I'll show you another conviction. The local church is the best investment in the world. You take your time, talent, and treasures, and I think you and I should put it into the local church. Best investment in the world. I mean, just think about Jesus. Let's look at Jesus' life. Uh, Jesus did not start a hospital. Hospitals are good and necessary, but he did not spend his time starting a hospital. He didn't start a business. Businesses are good and necessary, but he didn't start a business. He didn't even, although they're good, start a rescue mission. We have proof in the Bible that Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to build the church through you guys. He started the church. He invested in the church. During his limited time on earth, he said, I'm going to build the church. So I would tell you, if you're like, what should be a conviction? Jesus Christ is the hope of the world, and the local church is the delivery system of that hope. And I'm not talking about a building. <laughs> I'm talking about a gathering of Christians together. So I'm going to suggest that you begin to press into this. I'll show you one last one. And I think uh, we'll agree to this. But the best way to show people Jesus is to serve them. Just think about how Jesus walked the earth and he would heal people. He washed his disciples' feet. He, he constantly served and served and served Jesus. A lot of times we're like, no, 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 the best vehicle is to scream at people. No. <laughs> oh, I know, the, the best way is, is to put up passive-aggressive posts on social media. No, no. It's to serve people. We do too much screaming. and Not enough serving. Jesus even gave his direction on this. I'll I'll show you in Matthew. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. When you serve someone, especially folks who are down and out, when you serve them, you are convictionally not just serving them, but you're serving God. So I'll make the obvious point here we need to live a life fueled by conviction and I'm not sure we all are one of my favorite examples of living by conviction is a category of people called the one-way missionaries I've told this before one-way missionaries if you don't know anything about one-way missionaries One way? What? They just. Here's what they did. They built themselves a box. The box matched their body. They built themselves a coffin. They put their belongings into the coffin, sealed the coffin, and the coffin went with them wherever they were going. Because wherever they were going is the last place they're going to go. They're going to go show people who Jesus is, and they're going to do it till they die. And then those people would take that person's box and put their body in the box and bury them. One way missionaries. Had no intentions of ever returning home. Huh. You talk about conviction. There's one story about a guy named A.W. Milne. He decided, I don't know how he came to this, he decided to go to a certain people group who were notorious for killing anyone who came to them. In fact, there was story after story of, of different missionaries that would go to this people group, they would arrive, that people group would kill that person, and it would just end. This guy says, I'm, that's where I'm going. Conviction. He shows up. For some reason, they don't kill him. I don't know what he said to him, I don't know what he did. But he stayed there. And stayed there. And then eventually one day after he had showed every one of them who Jesus is, uh, he passed away of natural causes. They buried him in his box. But they wrote something on the tombstone that should interest you. When A.W. came there was no light. When he was gone, there is no darkness. I want that to be where I'm buried. I want to go to a place and be a part of something where I bring light. I'm convicted that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world, the local church is the delivery system, and I'm going to do so by serving people whether I like them or not. (laughs) Here's a heart check. This is the time to offend people. Have your preferences distract you from God's convictions? This question is a great heart surgery question. Think about your current preferences, how you treat people, how you live, what you do with your time, your money, all the stuff, everything you can think of. Just begin to kind of, what do I do with that? And you're like, I don't know the answer. Let me help you. Convictions on the inside always show up on the outside. So it's not about ideals. It's about what do you actually do with your life, preferences or convictions. Now, I'm not just talking to you about you. Uh, here a moment, um, you, you, when you leave, you have this card. The card says, I will be unwavering in showing people who Jesus is by. And, and this will be a card. You can fill it on your own, have it in front of you wherever you go. And it will be where you can actually write and, and draft your, your convictions. But let me help you. We are a church fueled by convictions. We are a group of people who refuses to ignore the lost in our area. According to the census, there's over 42,000 people who on this census said, I have no faith. Current numbers actually say that's now over 50,000 and going up. We are a church that refuses to ignore, as the word says, the least. Those who are in moments of life where they feel forgotten, they feel isolated, maybe it's financially or family, we refuse to forget them. So that's why we have our own car dealership. I know that sounds so weird, but that allows us to give vehicles away and a repair car. It's why we try to do everything we possibly can locally to be involved. And in fact, here's my dream, that if this church ever closed its doors, that the amount of convictions we lived out, the city would beg us to get back open. It's the difference between preferences and convictions. Do you live by preferences or convictions? That will reveal to you if you live an unwavering mission. Now, here's what's cool about today all locations including the fellas at the prison all locations are going to have baptisms today and if you don't know what baptism is it is simply a person publicly saying i have a conviction that jesus christ is the hope i need baptism is not like i'm about to be perfect the rest of my life (laughs) uh no Do you know when someone gets baptized, it's not like, hey, I'm a part of this denomination or, hey, I'm perfect. No, it's I am convicted that I need forgiveness and Jesus, no one else, Jesus is the only one that provides that for me. It's a conviction. So when they get baptized, it's bold. That's why some of you haven't done it yet because you're like, it's bold. It's in front of people. I would say for many of us who did not sign up for baptism today, just so you know, we offer open baptism. (laughs) So I'm inviting you, if you're convicted that Jesus saves you from your sins and you have not chosen to be baptized, maybe someone else made that choice for you and you haven't chosen, or you just have never been baptized, today is your day. So before we go into this, I wanna pray. And for anyone, who wants to surrender your life to Jesus and say, I'm convicted, that Jesus is the hope, and I want to do that today. I want to pray for you, pray with you. So would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and I just want to pray with you. God, there are folks I know who are listening who are convicted, not in a defeating, shameful way, but in an awesome way, a conviction that that their way doesn't work and your way does, A conviction that they can't save themselves, but you can save them. A conviction that you are the hope, the source of forgiveness, of grace, of mercy, that you are the one and only God, that conviction. God, I pray for those who are willing to accept that and own that conviction would do so. That they would choose your will. Would I pray that these next few moments that we're able to help people declare their conviction that they love you and you love them. God, I pray you'll be honored by it. That you'll be ecstatic about it. So God, we tell you we love you and we think you are absolutely amazing. And so all of this is done in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who has saved us. We love you. Amen.